Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Welcome to the show. I am Chris Graham, joined by Jerry Ratcliffe. Of course, this is the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. And uh, Jerry, uh, a lot of basketball to talk about this week. Virginia losing at uh, Virginia Tech on Saturday and then rebounding with a resounding 63-50 win over NC State on Tuesday night. It was sort of a Jekyll and Hyde there for Virginia, uh, you know, playing poorly, especially on the defensive end and the loss down in Blacksburg. And but that might have been the best defense I've seen out of this Virginia team this year in the win over NC State the other night. Totally agree, Chris. I think Tony Bennett was really displeased with the defensive effort in Blacksburg and let it be known in practice. And apparently the team responded pretty well because I agree with you. I think that performance against NC State was maybe their best defense of the year, at least certainly uh, of late. And um, got some outstanding performances from just about everybody on the team. And and one guy in particular that we hadn't seen that from is Caden Shedrick, who uh, had sort of a rebirth, so to speak. And uh, I guess he had done some of that in practice and uh, gotten back within the good graces of Tony and 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 played a really solid game. And they, they needed him to, too, because uh, – NC State had a couple of good big men, and they really shut down D.J. Burns, who I know a lot of people were concerned with. I mean, I think uh, Burns, in a recent outing, had like 31 points and 14 rebounds. I believe it was against Wake Forest and had been mostly piling up double-doubles and a lot of points against state opponents. So to hold him down the way they did, I mean, he – played 21 pretty ineffective minutes. He he made, he made four out of six field goals, but he wasn't on the floor that much. Uh, got into foul trouble and ended up with um, eight points and six rebounds. And so they really neutralized him big time. You know, you can see, uh, I, I don't, I don't I haven't watched state that much this year, but just in that game, the limited uh, uh, amount of stuff he got to do, he's got a nice soft shooting touch. He does for a big bruiser of a guy. <laughs> big dude, he's six nine, two seventy five. But... He is every bit of that two seventy five too. He, he he looks he's he's probably bigger than that now. Um, he, he, could probably, he could probably stand to lose a little bit of weight. I don't know if it's all if it's all good weight, but he's a big strong guy. And um, Virginia was very effective uh, in. You know, Tony talked about this after the game. Uh, he get, when he got touches, he was further out than he would like to be. You saw him some, saw him sometimes. He was getting the ball 15, 17 feet from the basket and having to start his moves from there. A guy who's 6'9", 275, who doesn't, you know, there's only one guy I can think of that size uh, that uh, can get the ball 15 feet from the basket, 17 feet from the basket and do anything with it. That's Zion Williamson, but he can dribble past you. Um, this guy is a, is a, is a, Post guy, he's going to use his butt to get his position. That's a long way to go to, to be able to, you know, to have to have to make your post moves. And so, you know, it started before he got the ball. Uh, it made they made it made it tough on him. Those post doubles could then come over. You know, Gardner was great sliding over and, and helping out uh, whoever it was, Vanderplas or Shedrick with the post doubles. And uh, you mentioned uh, Shedrick, boy, he didn't even get off the bench in the Virginia Tech game. Uh, he had 38 minutes in his previous six games combined. And then he had 26 minutes, what, 10.6 rebounds? Um, yes. It's great to see 
that he could keep his head up through that stretch where he wasn't getting minutes, uh, do what he needed to do in practice, and then have a big game against a tough opponent. Really does, and and you're right. He uh, Burns re- reminded me a lot of Zion Williams. Not not quite as talented, but uh, body type. Uh, he's not as quick, but um, he did use his body to get closer to the basket. And uh, when a guy gets moving like that, it's hard to stop. But they had they got position on him, and he got in foul trouble. But uh, yeah, I, I, that's the only other guy I can think of in recent memory that uh, of that kind of size who has that kind of touch. So um, they definitely uh, took him out of the game. And that was, that was one of the keys. And and Virginia's guards, I thought dominated and frustrated state guards and forced them into taking a lot of bad shots too. But, um, but yeah, Shedrick having not played against Virginia Tech at all, not seeing the floor and, and not getting a lot of playing time in recent games, and then all of a sudden uh, coming to life against State was was huge and probably will be huge this weekend as well. But uh, it's one of the things I think people should admire in Tony Bennett in that he didn't dance away from the topic of, of why Shedrick – wasn't playing. I mean, he didn't give us specifics why he wasn't playing, but uh, I think he was dropping hints that maybe matchups and maybe not performing great in games or in practice was keeping him off the court. And, uh, you know, talked about that in front of the whole team a couple of weeks ago that you know, some of you guys aren't getting playing time and mentioned specifically, you know, Shedrick was one of them, and uh, Poppy as well. But encouraged them to be ready because at some point they they were going to get their name called, and um, told them encouraged them to keep working and and uh, we've seen that before with Jay Huff and and some other players throughout recent history and and lo and behold, uh, you know they needed him badly. Tuesday and probably will again Saturday. And then he stepped up to the plate in practice and, and performed well against the Wolfpack. Yeah. And, and what great timing for him to reemerge to Shedrick being the guy, uh, because Duke this weekend, uh, you know, Duke's got size. <laughs> they, yes. you know, they always do, but you know, they, they, they put out a pair of post guys, Derek Lively, seven, one, two thirty. Kyle Filipowski, seven feet, two thirty. Filipowski, a little bit more of a perimeter player, but uh, it's going to be. It, it would be hard to guard them for forty minutes with the small ball lineup that Tony's been using a lot lately. Won't surprise me to see Shedrick if he doesn't get the start on Saturday, still get a lot of minutes. He got the twenty six minutes I mentioned um, in the game on uh, Tuesday. Or, yeah, Tuesday night. Um, one thought I got to just share this. The, the when I first saw Burns, you know, you when you see 6'9, 275, uh, uh, on, on the roster sheet, you think oh, that's a big guy, and you see him out there. My first thought was, man, Robert and I could use that guy at NC State to block some guys. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he could put a, put a couple more pounds on him with that footwork he's got. He could, he could, he could be a, uh, a left tackle. Uh, I guess actually for, for Brennan Armstrong, he'd be a right tackle and, uh, and, and keep Brennan Armstrong's blind side protected for him. But, uh, 
you know, he 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 did he he did a decent job out there. But yeah, Shedrick is going to be key uh, this weekend. Looking ahead to Duke again, they got size. I mean, and, and also they're small forward six eight. I mean, that's that's a big team up and down the the, the starting roster there. Um, and you know that I guess there's a little bit of concern. We had Ben Vanderplas on the show last week. A little bit of concern. Vanderplas last five games averaging four point two points per game. Uh, you know, he's he he had a good stretch there at the beginning of this this recent you know good stretch for Virginia overall as a team. But lately, he's he's not been producing on the offensive end, and and uh, that may force Tony's hand a bit too in the direction of of, of more Shedrick. Uh, in, in, just in addition to what Shedrick's doing, and and I wonder if some of that, Chris, is because other teams are starting to pay a lot more attention to him and and try to come up with defensive strategies to neutralize him a little bit because um, he is a bit of a nightmare uh, in terms of matchups at his. Six eight size and can play inside outside. So, um, I think he kind of snuck up on some people. They weren't they didn't realize he was as dangerous as as he had been, and and maybe they're working into their game plan to where he doesn't uh, get as much leeway as he was before. But yeah, he has been in a little bit of a shooting slump or scoring slump, and. Um, they need him. Uh, they need all these guys. But I think that's one of the beauties of this team that Tony has. It's uh, it's it's unique in the fact that they can go big, they can go small, and they have so many players that they can rotate in and out. If one or two guys are not having a great night, other guys seem to step up and take up the slack. I mean, Franklin the other night, they were clearly – focused on trying to shut him down because he's been really uh, difficult to deal with in recent games. But, um, you know, with, with Ian, he and Vanderplus didn't score a lot of points, but other guys stepped up and, and had great games. And, and Gardner, uh, I think it was his fourth straight game with at least 17 points. So uh, things closed down for one area, open up for another area. Yeah, Gardner's averaging 18.3 over those last four games. He, uh, you know, it was at a time, too, four games ago, uh, it looked like Ryan Dunn was starting to to make a push to be the starter at the four. Dunn had actually played more minutes in, in the previous three games uh, than uh, Gardner had. And so uh, credit to Gardner for uh, taking the challenge. Uh, you know, I'm sure in practice uh, working on things and and, and playing harder and, and earning those you know extra minutes. And I'd say the same for Shedrick and, yeah, you're you're right, Jerry. This this is the, the interesting thing about this team. There there are some parallels. I, you know, we, it's hard to compare uh, in any team to the best team in, in a program's history. But the 2019 team, uh, which only lost three games all season, of course, they had the flexibility. That team had Tony had the flexibility of that group to. I mean, there was a stretch where Mama Diakite was getting very limited minutes. Um, in fact, was about to play himself out of the rotation. Uh, he had a really poor performance. I remember in that Florida State loss uh, in the ACC tournament, and s- sort of had a, a you know a talk in between that and the NCAA tournament with Tony, and and, and pledged to to redouble his efforts and, and you know play harder on the court, that kind of thing, and had a magical run in the NCAA tournament, and, and was a big reason that Virginia won that national championship. Kind of reminds me of where Shedrick's been, just a little sooner in the season, but you know. Scott German asked me on my podcast yesterday, Scott German was with me on that show. And he asked me, uh, you know, do you, do I think that Shedrick should start the rest of the season? And I think that, 
I don't know if I would declare anything uh, for the rest of the season with with the flexibility that Tony has, just because if you play a team, you know, whether it be an ACC regular season play or tournament play or NCAA tournament play, they go small. If they have, if, if you face a team with a four guard lineup and a small center, you're going to want the, the ability to play Vanderplas a lot in that game and, and take advantage of that. If you play a team like Duke with seven footers across the front line, you're going to want to have the, uh, you know, have the ability to play Shedrick there and, and get a lot of minutes out of him. So the, the beauty of it is, is that Tony Bennett has that flexibility where he can put completely different looking lineups out there. And they're both as effective uh, depending on the situation as, as anything else that he could throw out there. I, I totally agree. <clears throat> I totally agree. And um, yeah, I, I wouldn't pencil in anybody as uh, in the front court as a surefire starter of the rest of the way. It's all going to depend on matchups and, and who they're facing. And, you know, uh, the way that Tony has developed this team and brought them along at the right pace, I, I think the timing is great. Um, and, and it does remind you a lot of that team because they had Jay Huff and, and Mamadi. Uh, some games they'd play a lot. Of, some games they wouldn't play much at all. Jack, and same for Jack Salt. Uh, if, if, if they needed him, he was there. Uh, some matchups just didn't work in his favor, and so he didn't see the court. But, um, the, yeah, I agree. That's that's definitely the beauty of this team, and they can go in so many directions, have so much versatility and, and different guys that can hurt you in different roles, and they seem to all accept their roles which is a big deal too, because that's not always the case with some teams. You know, there are there are still fans of, of this UVA basketball program that are a question Kihei Clark, and I just I bring that up because I seem to bring it up a lot, uh, just because you know you look, look there were some interesting little sets that Tony uh, had inserted for NC State uh, where they were running back doors on the baseline. The, the, the whoever had it, Clark or or, or Beekman, uh, you know, more towards the the three point line out out uh, you know past the elbow, um, they would the, the the person dribbling there would find the back door cutter, um, and and Beekman had a couple of throwdowns. He had a couple of really nice athletic dunks. Um, he, all six of his field goals were layups, um, created mostly off this action. And I, I just don't know that I could have imagined. I, I I knew going when when Kihei announced he was coming back, I thought like a lot of people thought, unfortunately not everybody, but I thought, boy, this is going to be great for, for those two guys and, and for the team as a whole. I don't I don't even know, though, when I thought that back last spring, that it would go as well as it is. It just seems like they both raise each other's level of play um, because they've been together for all these years. But it, it was really on it was really on display the other night against uh, NC State. They, it, it, the they had they had them eating out of the palm of their hands, both on offense and defense. I mean, the defense they shut down the you know those two big scores, and then on offense they were they were. I almost wanted to whistle sweet Georgia Brown on a couple of those passes the way they were <laughs> the way they were hitting each other on backdoor cuts. It was beautiful to see. Yeah, and uh, Kihei uh, dribbling in and out of the paint a few times, uh, almost making a complete circle. Um, it, it, yeah, it did remind me of Sweet Georgia Brown. A little bit of Harlem Globetrotters, Curly Neal out there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they totally frustrated stage guards and uh, took them completely out of their game. And and again, they 
State threw up a lot of bad shots, I thought, and their shooting percentage was atrocious. I think uh, in the first half, they were only uh, 8 of 31 shooting, 25%, and uh, finished up uh, 33% for the game, only 19 to 57, and and their guards just, uh, gosh, uh, Smith was 7 of 20, (laughs) Joyner was 2 of 14, Morcel, who hit uh, some some nice three point shots, was six of eleven. But uh, they they completely threw state out of whack in that department with that great defense they played. You mentioned Morcel. You know, okay, so Virginia won the game, so now we can say it and actually mean it. Maybe <laughs> I thought it was good though. In, in all seriousness, that he came back and had a good game at JPJ. He struggled so mightily for two years and tried so hard. You know, I'd, I'd get to games, especially um, his second year at UVA. You know, we'd get there a couple, we, you know, customarily get there a couple hours early for home games, especially. And you'd see him out there working, him and him, him and a rebounder. He'd be working, putting up shot after shot after shot. He was trying to fix the problem, just never could get it fixed. And um, he didn't do great. He, he did better last year in his first year at NC State, but not, you know, not to the level that he'd been recruited. He was a, he was a cornerstone of that Virginia recruiting class a few years ago. Yeah, this year to see him averaging close to 13 points a game, he had the you know 18 point game. Um, thank goodness for us, or for our sake, our fans' sake, that he missed that three pointer uh, there late. He had a chance to cut the lead down to seven. It was in and out. It it, it looked good out of his hands and everything else. But so he you know he came back. He had a good game, and then I loved you know the fact that Tony Bennett went afterwards, shook hands with his parents. Uh, and then talked about how, you know, he he didn't want to see Casey go. I know a lot of folks, he got booed the other night like crazy. Um, and, and that's what it is. But, um, you know, Tony Tony didn't want to see him leave and, and had a lot of nice things to say about Casey and how happy he is for Casey that he's playing well now. And, and that was truly heartfelt. I, I know Tony has the utmost respect for, for Casey and his family. And um, what we saw the other night is, is what Tony recruited. That's what he expected. And sometimes things just don't work out. Uh, Morsell was always a, a great defender, but his shot just wouldn't fall. And uh, it looked a little flat. And, you know, I think some guys just – their game just doesn't fit into the way Virginia plays. Uh, I, I think a, a lot about Muriel Shayok. Uh, he left here and went to a more open offense at Iowa State and – and flourished out there, and that's just the way the game is. Some sometimes you'll fit into a certain offense, and sometimes you your game won't fit. And uh, I think this offense was just a little more dis- too disciplined for his game, and uh, he has a lot more um, green light, freelance, whatever you want to call it, down at state than he did here. And uh, good for him. I'm, I'm glad he's a good kid. I'm glad to see uh, him have some success. And and uh, that was a classy move by Tony. And uh, and again, he he was serious about going up into the stands and and uh, hugging the the Morsell family and and uh, wishing them the best. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965 with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big time steakhouse. 
enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much I ran my first marathon that year. Then because I believed in the Goodfeet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Goodfeet store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia defensive end, graduate of 1993. Back on the staff at UVA, excited to be back coaching um, my old stomping grounds. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. So looking ahead to Duke, we've talked a little bit about the Duke game. It's Saturday at 4 o'clock in JPJ. Uh, only matchup of these two teams scheduled this year. Of course, they can always meet in the ACC or NCAA tournaments. Um, I have not done my deep dive study of Duke yet. I, you know, I know a little bit about this team. I know that they're big. I know that they're young, as Duke teams of recent vintage have always been. They have Jeremy Roach back to play the point. Other than that, it's a lot of young guys. Um, I'll say this. I said this to Scott yesterday when we were on my podcast. Um, I don't like, as a Virginia fan now, putting the fan hat on, I don't like that they're coming into JPJ off of a bad loss. They lost 81-59 to Miami on Monday night after beating North Carolina over the weekend. Um, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a letdown after the Carolina win, even though, you know, I, I wonder about that sometimes, but you, you hear that talked about a lot. But you know, teams teams that get blown out, uh, you know, and have a few days to let it simmer, uh, especially good talented teams like this Duke team is, um, they they don't come out the next time and also get blown out. They tend to come out with a little bit of an edge. I mean, I think we saw that for Virginia. They not that Virginia got blown out by Virginia Tech, but that was not a good performance down in Blacksburg, and they came out and took control of NC State early. Um, I think if I think most Virginia fans would probably wish that Duke had won that game down in Miami and, and might be coming in a little fat and happy. Um, uh, that, that might be a concern for uh, for, for the UVA side on Saturday. It could be. And and conversely, Chris, it, it might be a trend. Uh, they might come in here and get their doors blown off again, because I think I think Virginia is tired of hearing about Duke. <laughs> I, th- I know they're tired of losing to Duke. Uh, I mean, Duke had their number throughout the Krzyzewski years, and uh, there were a lot of really good teams that Virginia uh, was better, I thought, than some of those Duke teams. But Krzyzewski being the master strategist that he was, um, came up with incredible game plans and and found ways to beat Virginia when he probably shouldn't have. Um, So, you know, I I wonder if Kihei and and Reese – these guys have been around for a little bit. I wonder if they sense that there's a possibility, you know, that this sets up well for Virginia. Duke's coming in here limping. Uh, this could be the most rabid crowd we've seen here in a while because I think they sense that Virginia's better and sense that Virginia could win the ACC. And they might just put it on the, the Blue Devils for a change. I don't know. I I I don't I don't know. It could go either way. It could be something where Duke comes in here fired up, like you said, 
uh, embarrassed uh, against Miami, or they might come in here with their tails between their legs and and just get pummeled. I, I don't know, but I think I think you can't dismiss either possibility. I like yours better. I'm gonna go with yours. <laughs> I'm gonna drop mine and go with yours. No, yours yours is a lot more. It's been boring. a while since they put it on Duke, so <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure if that happened, uh, JPJ might just the roof might come off that place. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a rabid crowd. Uh, you know, even though the even though Duke's I think 17 and seven now, um, they're still Duke, uh, and fans have have had these tickets in hand for a while just for this opportunity to go there and be loud and obnoxious on Saturday. Um, and it was a good crowd Tuesday night. You know, those late games can be tough. Yeah. Nine o'clock starts on a weeknight can be tough. Um, the students are on ground, so they don't have very far to go to get there and go home. But for the for the uh, people who pay the money for their tickets, they're living all over the place. And this, I, I, I give them credit. The fans were there, and they were loud. Um, maybe needed caffeine to get <laughs> for some of us to get to it all, but they they were good. So uh, Saturday at four o'clock should be even better in that respect. Um, and then the schedule after this one, the schedule gets a little lighter for a while. Um, and so, you know, this this is a a big game in, in the sense for that in that sense for Virginia, uh, just to to maintain the level of play that they've they've had, except for that the amount of blip with the loss at Virginia Tech. Um, boy, did you see Virginia Tech last night? Uh, that one that one surprised me. Losing and and for the most part, even though the final score was only six points, they were losing that game by double digits most of the way to Boston College. Yeah, I, I was surprised by that because I thought the Hokies had finally gotten their problems for the most part straightened out and were playing well. Um, yeah, that was that that set them back big time. That was a game I don't think they could afford to lose, and so right. I, that really puts a big hole in their uh, postseason hopes. I think unless they can pull it back together. But uh, on the other side of things, I, I think I think. Just listening to Tony and and some of his mannerisms the other night, a little more intense. I think, I think he senses something in this team that it has the potential to do something special, and I think he's tightening the screws, bearing down a little bit on these guys, and um, I, I, th- I think he believes that they can win the the regular season. It won't be easy because. They're tied with Clemson and, and Pitt right now, and I think Miami's like a half game back. But uh, Miami and Pitt has the tiebreaker on them, and that's that's something that they we got to be aware of uh, going down the stretch. I think um, so. Uh, there's a premium on all these remaining games, and like you said, uh, the schedule lightens up a, a little bit after. Saturday they they play Clemson here and Carolina on the road. The rest of the games seem very manageable. I think well, there's two with Louisville, one with Notre Dame, um, maybe another one in there that I'm over one at Boston College, which you got to yeah. you know now they they swept Virginia Tech, so you got to be a little more conscious of that. But it's still it's yeah. it's, it's a winnable game certainly of, of, of a game you expect Virginia to win. Right. So. Um, yeah, I, I think I think we're going to see uh, a lot of intensity from from this team from now on uh, the rest of the season, and uh, and and good because uh, I think this team is does have a, a possibility of doing something special. They've they've we've seen them at their best and their worst, and when they're at their best, they're uh, they're really hard to beat. And uh, a friend of mine. An NBA scout was at the game the other night, and he's the first time he's seen Virginia play in person. 
And uh, the one thing he said after the game, he looked and he said, uh, he said, Jerry, he said, man, these guys are hard to score on. <laughs> and um, he was right. Uh, when, when they're, when they're right, uh, you're have you're going to have a hard time putting up points on these guys. Because the NBA scouts were there to see Traquivion Smith, who uh, was a guy, I mean, among other people, but he, he, he was a projected first round pick last year, came yeah. back this year. He was seven of 20 from the field and uh, you know, didn't, didn't have his way like he has against some teams this year. You know, um, we, we, we've been hearing Tony say these kind of things for, for a number of years now, I guess 14 years now. He, he always says early in the season, I just want to, I, I just want this team to, to reach its potential, whatever that potential is. I want to, I want it to reach its potential. And you, you know, this year we've really seen it. I mean, the, the evolution of this season compared to some other seasons, you know, November, they outperformed expectations and expectations were decent. I think they were preseason number 18, you know, preseason like number three in the ACC. Um, but you know the wins at Baylor, the wins over Baylor and Illinois at Michigan. All right, this team's ceiling is higher than we thought going in. And then December was a slog. Uh, you know, Beekman got hurt; he wasn't one hundred percent. You know, the loss to Houston, the 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 surprise loss to uh, Miami. Um, you know, the the tough game with JMU that much tougher than it should have been. Um, and then you know, in January, he starts to discover a little bit. Hey, you know, Vanderplas can play five. All right, let's play around that for a bit. Uh, maybe now we're going to see the reemergence of, of, of Shedrick as a, as an alternative starter at five, you know, um, it's just been interesting to track, uh, the evolution of this group and, uh, and, and how Tony, yeah, the idea that now Tony, he's, he, he knows he's got, he's got a uh, flexibility with his lineup. He's got talent. He's got an eight man rotation. That's you know, it's this is as good as any mate ran rotation he's had. He's had a elite eight team that should have been a final four team. He's got a national championship banner. He's had five ACC regular season champions, and this team is as good as any of those teams. And now, you know, now it's not his his team's job to discover how good it is. It's his job to to put the pieces in the right places so that they can do what they can do. Yeah, I totally agree. And and he's been pretty good at doing that over the years um and he usually knows what buttons to push and, and when to push them and how to get the most out of his players and I, I think I think he will uh, I think he I think this is the kind of stuff he really loves about being a, a basketball coach is is getting the the most out of his players and at the right time and um peaking at the right time, playing their best. And, and I think, I think that he's got this team headed in the right direction. And so uh, that's why I was a little surprised that they didn't play a little bit better than they did down in Blacksburg because, uh, and I think he was upset about that. And I think he let them know about it in practice. So, and I think that's like you, you said early in this broadcast, that was uh, some, we saw some result of that against NC state because they, they got the message. <laughs> Defensively, yeah, they had been struggling. Now, you know, if you if they can play, it's, it'll be hard to play as good every game as they played against NC State. NC State av- was averaging 79.6 points a game going in. They had 20 at halftime. That's got to be frustrating as heck. If you're playing on a team that scores 80 points a game, you look up at the scoreboard and you're walking off the floor and you got 20 points. And you had to score on your last possession to get to 20. Um that's you know so that that's it's gonna be hard to replicate that effort but if they can play more like that uh 
the scouts right this team is hard to score on when they play that well and then this team's offensive height i don't think they still reach their offensive ceiling either um we've seen it in stretches uh we've also seen some stretches where they they haven't been as good but i you know you you just something you just said jerry um peak at the right time i still don't think this team's anywhere near peaking yet and that's good because it's it's february 9th as we're talking they'll play on february 11th against duke I still think there's a lot of improvement they can make between now and, and, and when we think they're peaking. I agree. And yeah, I mean, NC state was uh, easily the highest scoring team in the ACC coming in here. And uh, Kevin Keats said something at the end of his part of the press conference the other night that, you know, I think he was already kind of shaking his head saying that, you know, I know people are going to question us now, but he, he said, you know, we've won, was it 19, 18, 19 games for yeah. a reason? Yeah. Uh, we won four games straight for a reason. We're, we're not, we're not a bad basketball team. We're scoring a lot of points. He said, Virginia can just do this to you. And uh, you, we can't feel bad about ourselves leaving town with, uh, you know, questioning that, you know, the quality of our team, but um Virginia can do that to you. They can take a high-scoring team and totally take you out of what you do best, take your strengths away, and uh, pick on your weaknesses and and uh, make you look silly sometimes, really. And uh, NC State wasn't the first team to experience that over the years, and uh, they won't be the last. NC State was the hottest team in the ACC coming into that game. They'd won four in a row, you mentioned, eight of their last nine. Um, they had some big, big blowout wins. Uh, that that's that's a good team that Virginia made look very pedestrian on Tuesday night. Um, and so the uh, tip with Duke is uh, Saturday at four o'clock. And uh, look to 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 both our Jerry site uh, JerryRackliff.com and and my site AugustaFreePress.com. Scott German's working feverishly for 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 my side of things on a, a Duke preview. He was on the uh, press conference call with um, uh, the Duke folks a little earlier uh, today, um, and um, Trying to trying to get some secrets from enemy territory there, I guess, <laughs> to, give, to share with our reader base. Um, uh, one little bit of football news, Jerry, uh, just kind of closing a, a, a chapter. We already knew that Nick Jackson was not coming back to Virginia. He'd announced so over, I guess it was over the weekend yeah. that he had, he you know he he had put his name in the transfer portal back in December. Uh, there was still that possibility he'd re-enrolled at Virginia for the for the spring semester because he's on pace to graduate in, in May. Um, Tony Elliott last week had said, hey, in effect, that might give us a chance at, at keeping him here. Uh, he had visited Auburn, had Jackson. He'd visited Iowa, as you'd written about recently. Um, he made his choice. He's he's going to be heading to Iowa. Uh, so uh, any any sliver of a thought that Virginia fans may have had that the three-time All-ACC linebacker was coming back, now gone, and uh, good, you know, Nick Jackson's going to move on to, to, to the Big Ten and try to win a Big Ten championship next year. Yeah, uh, I thought I, I kind of didn't think he was going to stay, even though I know Tony Elliott had hoped that he might reconsider. But um, he, you know, he, he did come to the Virginia Football Banquet a few weeks ago and was voted a team captain. And awkward, <laughs> <laughs> awkward, yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it, once once he entered the portal, I, I didn't think he was going to come back, and. Um, I mean, that's tough for this defense because they lost their two best players, him and Fentrell Cypress, to the portal, and that left 
two big holes in the defense that I'm not sure they're going to be able to fill. No matter who they may get through the portal, they're going to have a hard time finding people of that quality to to fill those voids. But uh, we wish him well. He's a great kid, great guy. I know he gave his heart to this football team and uh, played really well for three years. Uh, some sort of all ACC mention all three years. And uh, I'm sure he'll he'll do the same at Iowa, but um, makes it a little bit tougher for Virginia going forward. Uh, a defense that uh, John Rudzinski had done a, a, almost a miraculous job with turning them around and to lose those two players, um, uh, again, it's, it's just going to make his job a little bit more challenging this spring and in the fall against a, a pretty tough schedule, particularly early on. I'll say this as a UVA alum, I'm glad to see that he's uh, going to graduate in, in the, in May uh, with his degree in commerce uh, as it is in his case. I, one, one thing I'm hating about this transfer portal is when guys, uh, especially guys from Virginia um, go somewhere else and get a degree uh, for football or basketball purposes or whatever purposes they're getting. Um, sports is fleeting and your life, the rest of your life, you're going to regret not having that UVA degree, uh, <laughs> just so you can get a little bit more playing time somewhere else. So uh, I love to see that he's, you know, him and, and Brennan Armstrong, uh, who's an NC, he'll be heading to NC state. Um, they have their UVA degrees. They, they can't take those away from them. And, uh, uh, so I, I just, I, I would hope for, for the future that more people think that way. I remember. Tevin Jones, he he le he left and ended up at Tarleton State. Um, he had one year to go at Virginia, and he he ends up he doesn't end up getting a UVA degree. And and when you're 50 years old, you're not going to want that Tarleton State degree hanging on your wall. Um, that's not going to do much for you. So uh, anyway, glad to see glad to see Jackson's finishing up, and definitely wish him the best next year in the Big Ten. Yeah, well, as as they tell recruits, it's a 40 year decision not a four-year decision and uh, there's a lot of meaning to that for sure um having a degree from a prestigious university like uva and uh, a lot of every time i go to an alum football alumni event um i see so much evidence of that of guys who were good players here didn't make it in the nfl or were in the nfl for just a uh a cup of coffee uh, and some of them didn't even start here but they ended up being incredibly successful in life uh doing incredibly well uh, in whatever business or profession they took up and uh, so that they're walking breathing evidence of, of what a UVA degree means and um, that's something that people should pay a little bit more closer attention to, I think, uh, down the road. And speaking of former UVA players, I wanted to give a shout out to one of our, one of our guys, Don Mikowski, the magic man, um, saw from his wife, Kelly on Twitter today that he is undergoing a hip replacement, I think down in Atlanta, um, and uh, talking about the 1989 season, I, I think, Chris, that might have been the year that uh, – wasn't he NFL MVP one year or something? Uh, I know he was all pro. Uh, but I, I think he, he, was the really good year for him. 
Yeah. But he took a beating that year. I mean, he took a physical beating. And I think he's, you know, I think this hip replacement is, is, uh, is one of the, uh, I think he said it was surgery number 24 or 25 for him. So, um, uh, throughout his career and, and life after football. So, uh, we wish him the best on his hip replacement, uh, surgery and, uh, for a full and speedy recovery for the magic man down there in Atlanta, number seven. He was voted second in the MVP race that year. So you were, okay. you were close and he threw for 4,318 yards that year. Now in 2022, everybody throws for 4,318 yards. Yeah. But back in 1989, that was yeah he led the he led the NFL with 4318 yards, yeah. uh, and led Green Bay, which okay now you know Green Bay has been Green Bay since Brett Favre actually took over for him as a starter when when he got hurt uh, a couple of years later actually McKelsey got hurt and, and and Favre came in and and started and and then and kept the job and then handed it off to Aaron Rodgers, but Green Bay had a long stretch after Bart Starr basically where they didn't win for like 20 years. Uh, and he took them to the playoffs in 89, which is why he was the uh, second in the MVP race that year. So, um, yeah, you know, for UVA fans out there, um, uh, you know, that that you may remember, you know, I'm, I'm old enough. I was in high school when Mikowski was the magic man on grounds. Uh, uh, certainly have fond memories of that. And then he, he was one of the guys we definitely rooted for in the NFL. And and you mentioned yet yeah, all those surgeries. That's, you know, that's the part of football that people don't think about. We, yeah. we see the glory and all the stuff on TV and everything else. And then they got to live the rest of their lives with that. That's tough. Yeah. And, uh, and he's in the green Bay Packers hall of fame. So uh, he had a nice career with pack. No question about it. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm sure Tony Bennett rooted for him. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Growing up in, uh, up there in Wisconsin as well. Hey, we got to, speaking of random things, uh, so to speak in, in a way, um, we got a note today, uh, AFP did a, a news release note that um, Ben Vanderplas's mother, is her name Mary, I think it is, uh, she's a children's book author, and she's going to be doing an event at the New Dominion Bookstore. We'll have, we have information on our website, I think, now. My wife, Crystal, is going to try to interview her, uh, her uh, but she's smart. Uh, they're doing this event in early April. It'll be after whatever would possibly happen in Houston with uh, Virginia basketball, right? But. Um, she's having her son Ben be there as part of the event. So, you know, I don't think, he, and, and I don't think he's going to be able to charge her for NIL or anything like that. He's he's just got to <laughs> be there because mom's selling a book. But um, uh, she actually in the in the news release mentions that uh, she, you know she's relocated here at least for this year. She's living in Charlottesville. So, oh wow, one of those small world things where uh, Ben Vanderplas's mom selling books. So. Uh, look for the details. I don't have the exact date in mind here, but it's early April, like April 8th or 10th or something like that. Um, but a chance to, for those Vanderplas fans to, you know, one last chance maybe to put your fake mustache and, and headband on and go out there on the downtown mall and hang out with Ben one more time. Yeah, I, I think uh, our Fear of the Stash campaign is growing. I saw a lot <laughs> a lot more people at JPJ the other night with uh, – uh, number five jerseys and shirts on and a uh, bunch of bunch of co-eds uh, with fake mustaches. And uh, uh, it was just cool to see. I, I think uh, it adds a little, a little more fun to the games. It does. It does. It's been, it's been fun seeing that little, that little movement pop up and folks having fun with it. And, uh, and so, yeah, and it was great having been on the show last week too. He, he was a great interview. Good, good, good affable guy. Um, and, uh, I'm sure his dad was also rooting for Don Mikowski back in the day, along with Tony, 
back yeah. in the 80s. <laughs> so one of those small world circle circle of wagons kind of things. We all we almost almost had Dick Vitale on our podcast today. Um, talked to him last night, and he he would have loved to have done it. He said, "I'll do anything for you." We've been friends for, gosh, since the early '80s, and um, but uh, the his doctors uh, have instructed him not to do anything outside of his ESPN work because of his uh, vocal cords, and they don't want to uh, jeopardize any kind of a health issue with his uh, uh, battle with cancer uh, to his vocal cords. So, uh, but he'll be doing the game Saturday. So I'm going to try to go by early and say hello to, to uh, Dickie V and, uh, and uh, he wanted me to remind everybody of his uh, gala down in South Florida. In I think it's in May and uh, you can look it up online and uh, he's looking for people to contribute to uh, the battle for cancer. He's raised millions and millions of dollars and helped save a lot of lives, uh, particularly uh, kids. And uh, uh, he would appreciate anybody joining that movement that uh, would would care to. You know, if if he could promise his doctors, look, I'll I'll do this one podcast. I promise I'll be low key. But he's Dickie V. He's not going to be low. He can't be low. It's hard for him to turn it down, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's only one. There's only one volume for him, and it's eleven. So, uh, <laughs> no, that's great to hear. He'll be he'll be in JPJ. I, I know he did a game earlier this year. It's, it's great to see him back out there. Um, such infectious uh, enthusiasm for basketball, and has had all the, all those all these years. So, um, well, Jerry, uh, I think we're to that part of the show where let's thank the sponsors for have, having having their assistance in getting this uh, this out to folks. Aberdeen Barn, you got to go to the barn. Uh, I had some friends that went there just the other night and said it was an uh, awesome uh, experience and uh, send people there all the time, people coming into town for a game or, or whatever, and they say, where, where should I eat? And I said, go to the barn. Can't miss, you can't miss going to the barn. So uh, uh, go by and see Angela. Great atmosphere, great food, great service. Uh, also Ragged Mountain Running Shop. Uh, the Good Feet store over at Stonefield, uh, they have special made arches for your feet to alleviate any discomfort you might have running, walking, hip, back, knee, ankle, foot problems. Uh, they're a great supporter of UVA uh, athletics, particularly basketball with uh, Kihei and, and Jaden Gardner or NIL partners with uh, Good Feet Store. They do a lot of promotions at games. You, you'll see Jonathan Cotton, the uh, owner, a very active owner out there on the floor uh, for some of these promotions, sponsoring the Ronald McDonald House, which is a very worthwhile project. Um, for those people who have had uh, kids at UVA Hospital or whatever and didn't have a place to stay, uh, that's uh, a refuge for them. and uh means a lot i'm i'm sure to those families um also to our newest sponsor roback uh wearing their gear right here you see uh see the logo saw tony bennett was one of these on the other day um they're also a nil's partner with uh kihei clark so uh they're uh they have sportswear activewear um some of the most comfortable clothing I've ever owned. And uh, 
I love wearing their stuff. They have uh, performance polos. They have uh, the Q-zips, uh, which I really like. They have the performance hoodies like these. Uh, every kind of uh, color style that you would like. They have a women's line that have opened up. They're great for golf uh, or just hanging out. Um, check out their ad on our site and use the promo code UVA Jerry, and you'll not only be helping out uh, Roback, but you'll be helping out us. <laughs> so uh, check out their site. I, if, you, if you don't love their clothes, I, I, I don't know what to tell you because they're uh, they're anybody would uh, love to be wearing their stuff. I can guarantee you that. They're based right here in Charlottesville. They're a Charlottesville company and have UVA roots. So, um, you know, get out there and sponsor the home team, guys. It, uh, you won't regret wearing their clothing, I guarantee it. Well, thanks to the sponsors for helping us get these shows out there. And, Jerry, thanks, of course. I lo love chatting with you, and we can't wait to see you on Saturday. And for those listeners out there, uh, if you have any any anything you want to know about UVA sports, jerryratcliffe.com. There's a little bit on augustafreebreast.com as well. Can't wait to get out there on Saturday. Everybody talk to you again soon.